Hey there, everybody. This is uh, Dan Trotencheck, your humble host of the Taking Care of Business podcast. And uh, it is hard to believe, but we are in the home stretch, folks. We are coming into the last couple of podcasts of 2020. Um, what a what a year! I mean, uh, my my uh, my brave producer Kevin is, has been by our side this whole year when we were doing something like two podcasts a week, wasn't it, Kevin? And and, uh, and, and now we're back on an every other week schedule with the podcast and uh, and and certainly more manageable. But but we never would have thought at the beginning of the year that we'd we'd be cranking out as many podcasts as we have. And I and wanted to give a quick shout out to Kevin for all the hard work that he has done keeping me on track and making sure we get the podcasts out and they're all good to go. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things that have happened in 2020 and we want to kind of talk about that a little bit, but we're going to go back to the beginning of the Taking Care of Business podcast to do that. And I I have as a return guest today, my first ever guest on the Taking Care of Business podcast. And for you longtime fans and listeners, he is our only three-time repeat guest on the podcast. Uh, of course, it's none other than uh, Mr. Uh, James Robish from the Farnsworth Group. And I thought, who better to, to, to sit uh, mic to mic with me and talk about the craziness that has been 2020 and to put on our fortune telling hats and look about uh, what might be coming down the road. Jim, welcome yet again to the program. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Kevin. I'm glad that you're finally getting the accolades that you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> That's what keeps this thing going, I know. Um, I, I appreciate Dan stopping by the side of the road. I was in the gutter and he, he said, Hey man, you want a bottle of wine? <laughs> I, said, yeah. I said, Oh wait, that's Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Always fun to be with Dan. Uh, and indeed it has been an interesting year. Well, uh, the first thing out of the gates is you and I have spent, we've, we've logged some hours together today. And that's because one of the things we were doing is uh, if you haven't gotten enough of the Dan and Jim show on today's podcast, there's more. Uh, actually, Jim and I are co-hosting a webinar that's going to go live on December 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern. It is part of the NHPA Strategic Webinar Series sponsored by our friends at Epicor. And uh, it's going to go live 2 p.m. Uh, on December 16th, 2 p.m. Eastern time. It is a free webinar. And Jim and I are going to be doing kind of the industry's uh, annual report where we wrap up everything that's gone on, talk about the growth in the industry, talk about predictions, talk about uh, size of the market, uh, how stores are performing and all that stuff. So I'd encourage everybody who wants to get even more Jim and Dan fun to uh, go to yournhpa.org to register for that free webinar. And Jim, as always, all kidding aside, we appreciate your keen insights uh, into what's going on out there. And I think that, that you and I always have, while it's a slightly different take on the industry, after having just uh, gone over our webinar, I think a lot of our views were, were, were uh, to speak out of school here, I think we were relatively complimentary of one another in that some of the same, you know, kind of seeing some of the same things and patterns. So I'll start out by asking you. Well, Dan, that's because you told me what to say. Yeah, I, I fed you the whole <laughs> script. It was, <laughs> it was like a Russian newscast. I was just <laughs> said, here, read this. Um, 
And anybody that knows Jim knows that there's very few people that can tell Jim what to say, <laughs> except Mrs. Jim. Uh, but uh, uh, Jim, without really like kind of rehashing what we're going to talk about in the webinar, um, you know, what are some of your key takeaways from 2020? Um, last time you were on the podcast was, uh, you know, about a year ago. Uh, and, uh, and we really obviously, you know, as part of the webinar, we both started talking about the last kind of one of my last pre-pandemic memories was you and I, you and I hanging out together down at the Oracle Market in Orlando. And that was really the last show before the pandemic struck. So, so now that you've had eight or nine months to digest this, what, what are some of your takeaways from the year that was 2020 for this industry? Oh boy, uh, where do you where do you start? Right, um, I think probably one of my biggest takeaways was that where I was and we were as an industry a year ago um, seems to be kind of not that dissimilar to where we are now. Yeah. Um, if we would have thought that the pandemic was going to happen and the channel didn't go to hell in a handbasket, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that in April. And that didn't happen. And I think, you know, it has to do with two things. One is certainly we were deemed essential, but at the same time, too, I think it shows the resilience of the, certainly the industry players, um, how they stepped up. And because uh, there were no rules, right? I mean, there was, I think I'll quote you, Dan. You said one time there's no handbook on handling a pandemic. And they stepped up and learned it overnight, quick, and were making the right decisions on the fly. Maybe not all the right decisions, but um, I think that was you know one of the big ones. As I look at our dealer base, I think the second thing is how it has changed how people view shopping, certainly in general, but also within our channel. Um, we know that there were an awful lot of people that were gravitating towards buying hardware home improvement online um, for all the reasons. I mean, there's a host of them, you know, new generations coming in and, you know, technology becoming available and high performance retailers jumping on board and all those great things. But getting stuck at home, I mean, it just showed that these people have learned a new way to shop. And I think the big takeaway is that's going to continue. Right. I think it's a permanent change. And then finally, <laughs> finally, I think it was interesting to see across various states, and I'm not talking about political crap, but how individual cities handled being open and not being open. And, you know, I guess the question today is why is Florida open and New York isn't? Um, but for the, those states that were open, it seems like they are very much thriving and certainly more than some of our states were, even though we were essential. And I think that goes back to the fact that perhaps those particular retailers and dealers, you know, were they throwing up their hands or what? Initially, I think they all came out of it. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, it is astounding some of the, the numbers we're see happening. So those would be the, the three things I think I would I would mention that you know I've seen happen, uh, let alone the fact we're still alive. <laughs> yes, I would I would count uh, 
being alive for right now um, as one of the uh, one of the big positives of coming out of 2020 uh, for the industry, of course, Jim, because you <laughs> you you your absence and my absence in the industry. I, would I be know, yes, <laughs> cataclysmic effect. Yeah, but I'm at a much higher risk than you are. <laughs> Well, you, you know, you know, a couple, I check all those boxes. <laughs> a couple of the, uh, a couple of the points that you made, uh, you know, that I that I really uh, certainly agree with and find interesting is that it seems like what 2020 has done um, is accelerate the the trend line. Because I, you know, I, I literally remember in 2019. I, I know I did um, give multiple kind of presentations talking to independent retail groups, where one of the goals of my presentation was to convince them why they needed to be online and have some kind of e-commerce presence. And now I, I, I can't imagine. Maybe it's true, but I can't imagine that that I would, you know, but kind of be in that same position. I think. 2020 has shown us that right now, if even if consumers weren't shopping online for home improvement needs at the start of 2020, man, they are now. And that goes for, I think that goes for, it's it's not even bound by demographics anymore. I, I think that, um, that everybody has been exposed to this new kind of paradigm of shopping and engaging with retailers online. And, and I, I'm just saying that engaging and shopping online because I think we're still seeing a lot of purchases being completed at a physical location, oh, although it's not yeah. the store. But um, you know, you had said some of the extraordinary numbers that we're seeing and some of the numbers we're seeing from retailers that do have e-commerce, where e-commerce this year was up 500, 600, 700%. Now it still might represent a smaller part of their business, but but man, uh, 2020 shifted that consumer demand for for uh, online engagement into overdrive. Absolutely, uh, you are are spot on. Um, the other thing, and, uh, and you're definitely familiar with it because you've touted it a lot. But we did our COVID tracker study. We right. were doing it weekly and then we were doing it monthly. And we did, I think our most recent one was back in September or something. Uh, but it, it just showed how people, man, I, I'm going online. But I think one point that, that you hit on that I think is, is extremely relevant and it's not just relevant now, but it's going to be relevant going forward is that we still have a high incidence of in-the-store shopping. Yeah. And even if they're shopping online or even purchasing online, they're picking it up at the store. And when they pick up at the store, it's not always curbside. They're going in the store. And I just don't want anybody to, to think, well, I can relax on what we're doing in the store. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I, you know, They've been working their butts off. You, you know that. Yeah. And uh, to keep up with, you know, all the rules they have to follow and all that. But uh, I, it was interesting that, you know, the store traffic is still reasonably strong there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting when when we draw our cost of doing business numbers for this year to see, <laughs> yeah. to see yeah. what happened, what the effects were of pandemic shopping on things like transaction transaction size and customer count, um, it'll be really eye-opening. 
But I, I also, you know, one of one of the takeaways that I had this year was also really a spotlight being put on the independent retailers for one of the things that we've always talked about being a strength of an independent retailer, and that is the their ability to adapt. I, I was blown away by literally weeks into these community shutdowns, how retailers, independent retailers that had no like curbside pickup system set up. Now they they just said let's let's get our people together. Let's figure out how to do it. And they, there were so many that said I don't care if it's we're giving out our cell phone. Call us. We'll pull the merchandise and we'll bring it out to your car. And as the pandemic wore on, I think so many of those retailers that just kind of kind of triaged the situation um, began to figure out. Well, okay. How do we how, how do we um, how do we improve on this? And how do we go from let us give you our cell phone numbers and we'll pull it to how do we have a system? How do we implement things online? How do we designate an area for pickup? All those sorts of things. But but man, some of the things we saw, and again, so early on in 2020, the way independent retailers reacted just blew me away. How how they were able to turn on a dime, and and I hope. That, that that kind of persists, that reaction to consumer demands and changes and shopping habits continues to persist as we go forward. Yeah, that, uh, that nimble response was just amazing. Um, and as I said before, uh, there weren't no playbook for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? and, and we saw it from various levels of execution and the customers were happy, and I think that was one of the things that was in the forefront of why you, the retailer said, "I got to, got to do this. I got to do this. I got to keep my customers happy. Um, the, uh, the we we need these products, and you know I'm not going in your store, but bring them out to me." Um, so no, you're absolutely correct. Well, and I think something else that uh, again, you know, that goes back to something we've been on a soapbox about for a while, but. But one of the things that emerged us on a soapbox yeah, about exactly. anything, yeah, for sure. We're probably talking about when we get off our soapboxes, and, <laughs> and those are mighty strong soapboxes as well. Which listing audience? <laughs> that's different than when we fall off. Them. Yes. Um, one of the things that you know that that I noticed, you know, probably through NHPA because we got so many retailers contacting us early in the pandemic, saying, "What is everybody else doing?" And 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 I think it underscores this concept of how much stronger our retail community is. And we really saw this with manufacturers and distributors too, where those kind of silos came down a little bit. I think retailers have always been that way, but I think it was really a again a magnification of that. How do we learn from one another? We facilitated so many conversations this year between different retailers in different parts of the country that were asking, what are you doing for cleaning protocols? What are you doing to reward employees? What are you doing uh, to uh, when, when, when you do have a positive test? Just really wanting to share those ideas and best practices. And, and that's one of the other things that not only stuck with me, but I hope sticks with the industry as we move forward. Because probably this year more than ever, I also saw... Um, 
wholesalers, you know, kind of breaking down those walls and saying, what do we need to do? Even talking if to each other. Yes, talking to each other. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the same thing with manufacturers. Everybody seemed like they were pulling in the same direction, but for a brief moment in time. And, <laughs> and, and I, I hope that spirit is something that, uh, you know, uh, continues I'm not going to say that's my Christmas wish, Jim, but <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that it's something that that, that uh, again can I, be it's positive. priceless if it is. <laughs> Reminds me of the old Saturday Night Steve Martin Saturday Night Live. My <coughs> Christmas wish is that all the world's children could sing together in harmony, <laughs> and it goes on from there. Look, you look it up on YouTube. It's it's worth a look up. <laughs> but uh, but do you did you kind of feel that same thing or think that the industry was uh, you know kind of working together a little bit differently? I I did, um, and I hear it from my clients. Um, well, I talked to this other dealer who also happened to be in the same town and was a competitor, right? And yeah. knowing from working with them, you know. It's you know, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. Well, it wasn't because they were trading off, um, you know, whether it was getting safety equipment or how you handle this or how you interpreting this law that's been passed down by the mayor or whatever it might be. And I think that was really healthy. Um, the other thing is that I think it speaks to the fact that our independent retailers in this industry really are independent. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, they're not that dependent on anybody. Um, the not going to knock the chains, but you know, what manager of a hardware store or of a chain store could do the things that an owner of his own store could do that quickly without red tape right. and following policies and procedures. Um, you know, hell, they might have been closed down for all I know. Yeah. But I, I just thought that was exemplary performance um, to the emphasis being on the independence of our independent dealers and their ability to adapt. Well, and I think exactly what you're talking about was something that I think helped raise consumer awareness of the value of independence this year was I, I think certainly in the first month or so of the pandemic, a lot of consumers were, were kind of thinking, you know, I probably don't want to go walking around a big, big box where I'm not sure what their policies are, how they clean, how, and so on. I, I feel a little bit safer going to my independent. And I think a lot of that was because they, well, one, I mean, it's just the nature of the two environments, but two, I also think it was because the independents were probably a little quicker to respond um, and, and, and reassure their customers that, listen, we're going to create a safe space for you, a safe environment for you to come and do business with us because, you, you know, we're part of this community. And, and again, I think that that was the start of maybe um, some positive kind of consumer movement towards independent uh, retail in general that's coming out of this. It, it also doesn't hurt that we're all being bombarded right now, rightfully so, with messages about all about doing business with local merchants anyway, and how important that is because obviously the, the horrible things that are happening in, in other industry segments like service and, 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 and restaurant. Certainly, yeah, certainly restaurants. I think one of the things you're saying too is it's real interesting how the lost customer recovery process 
all of a sudden got a shot of adrenaline because we'd do some studies and, you know, not big studies, but people would say, well, have you changed where you shop? Yes. Why? Um, X, Y, Z. I don't want to be in a big store. You know, I feel more comfortable. I trust the owners because I go to church with them. Right. Things like that. Um, And then, well, what do you think? Well, I forgot how nice this store was, how cute it was, right. how quaint it was. They got products that, that I didn't know they carried. So I think there's a, a big message out there to the independents to, hey, hang on to these people. Um, you got them in. You know, where they say half the challenge is getting up the hill, the other half is staying there. Um, but that certainly came out. And that was driven. I mean, I. That surprised me. That was driven by the customer's choice of where they wanted to go. And I think going forward again, I mean, behaviors, some of these trends are going to be very consistent. You know, I think definitely through 2021, um, as you and I talked earlier, the the pandemic maybe may go away and there may be vaccines, but who wants to go out and trust it in a, in a store? And what's going to happen when you walk into a store in April or May and they don't have masks on? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so. and I think that, you know, we've talked about this, you and I, and, 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 I, and I've talked about it separately several times, too, just about how consumers, the way they were exposed to things differently, that's not going to go away. An example, you know, I've talked about personally is. I literally had probably been on one or two Zoom meetings before the pandemic. Now I literally am probably on two or three Zoom meetings a day. And part of that is because I'm not a very tech savvy person. I was always a bit intimidated by Zoom meetings. Like yeah, but you never turn up. the video on. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it, was, it was just my aversion to wearing pants. You know, that was, <laughs> but uh but and I'm not going to stop doing Zoom meetings now once the pandemic goes away, just like consumers aren't going to stop engaging with retailers online once the pandemic goes away. And, and to your point, too, you need to layer on top of that. There's not going to be an, no one's going to flip a switch and there's going to be an immediate customer uh, right. you know, acceptance. I mean, it's like you get into a car crash the first few times you drive or a month or so after you got into a car crash, you're going to be a little skittish. And, and, and I think we're going to see that, how long that'll persist, who knows? Yeah, that's a, an excellent point, Dan. I think, too, um, both you and I are in businesses where air travel was a necessity. And, you know, we were on, what, a couple of flights a week? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been on flights since March, for, well, since I came back came from back Orville, from Orville yeah. that day we talked. Yeah, and I think we've learned in a lot of ways, how to communicate. And it's not just Zoom. You know, again, I'll give credit to the, the wholesaler and distributor community um, for understanding and, and taking it upon themselves. How can we adapt to this and make it better? Right. And it doesn't, you know, pick a brand. I don't care who it is. Um, they're doing a good job at making sure that the supply chain is at least reasonably intact. Right. Uh, but that's different. That's not going to go back. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to get together and see somebody. I mean, let's face it, we're a, 
a hugging and a handshaking and a kissing industry. Well, not you and I specifically. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you interrupted me before I said in drinking industry. Oh, okay. there you go. The, uh, but, uh, you know, everybody wants to do that. But the cost alone, I mean, if you look at the cost savings yeah. uh, that can be reinvested elsewhere, um, I just think we're learning all, all over how to really use technology in a much more efficient way. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, it's everybody. And I do yes. give a lot of credit. I mean, listen, for the people who are in the wholesale community that listen to the program and, and, and so on. I mean, you guys have had it as hard, if not harder, than the retailers this year because you've had to deal with all the same challenges, you know, but you've also kind of gotten beaten up a little bit about some of the supply chain challenges. And I get it. I mean, it's got to be hugely frustrating for a retailer to say, I'm trying to drive sales. I got customers coming to my door and I'm having to deal with some supply chain issues. But at the same time, there's not a wholesaler I haven't talked to that isn't working their butts off to try and get that thing straightened out. And at the meantime, they're and also trying new stuff and trying new stuff. And in the meantime, they're also having to deal with the same things the retailers are, the manufacturers are, is, is yeah, we got to figure out how to provide safe social distancing. We've got to figure out how to how to run a warehouse or, or get trucks on the road while helping our employees remain safe. And oh, by the way, we're also dealing with a 20 to 25 percent increase in sales that we didn't plan for or expect. So um, things will get better on the supply chain. And I don't want to I don't want to go past that without giving credit that, man, everybody, it's its not for lack of trying. Everybody's working on this thing and, and they're going to get it straightened out. Oh, I agree. Definitely. And it's its one thing to be a supplier, but the other thing is that you're, I remember one time there was a distribution company that had the family name on it and the patriarch of the family says, Heck, we're like, you know, dear Abby, when something goes wrong, we got to hear about it. And, you know, <laughs> you're damn when you do, you're damn when you don't. Uh, but I think they've done a good job of that. But the other thing I think is that, at least with dealers that I've been in contact with, is that I wouldn't say they're giving them a lot of leeway to their distributor partners, but they're understanding. So, yeah. you know. We'll let you do what you do best and figure it out rather than, oh, gee, I'm just going to start calling around and go to all these suppliers. There's some of that going on, obviously. But the, the real issue is I think it's, it's a cooperation, and I think it goes back to what we're talking about, cooperation between competitors in a local market, between distributors trying to figure out, you know, what are you doing? How are we doing? I mean, you, you talked earlier about the letter that was signed by virtually everybody who's anybody in the industry to get us to convince, you know, us to be essential, uh, which, you know, that if that hadn't happened, you know, we'd be in a world of hurting right now, I think, for a lot of people. And I know there's some areas where they got kind of screwed over on that. But for the most part, to see those factions come together which we really didn't see a lot of that of late, you know, back in the, the 70s. Right. Well, well, you weren't around in the 70s. I was around. I just wasn't around in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, we always saw a lot more of that. But, uh, no, they, they rallied and, you know, rallied and were successful yeah. uh, at getting things to happen.
Well, let's uh, let's turn our our focus forward, Jim. <laughs> uh, as this time of year, most of us start thinking about things like New Year's resolutions, and God knows I'm not talking about personal New Year's resolutions. But let's talk a little bit about our resolutions for the home improvement industry for 2021. If you could, if you could uh, say these are the one or two things that I'd like the industry to 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 make happen in the coming year. What would those things be? Um, More research, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me get out of the wayback machine first. Uh, I think one big thing, and you know, this, it's a broken record, and I've been saying it, you've been saying it, everybody's been saying it. I hope that going forward, this two by four that got smacked on some of these people's heads gets, gets them to realize you have to get digital. You have to understand yeah. what the electronic or expectations are of your customers. And they're not gonna be the same in every market or wherever it is, but they're gonna be darn close. And get on board with that. And you've heard me say this a lot of times. You know, one, we, we don't do a lot of planning in this industry let alone strategic planning, but I think they need to set aside definitely some time, dedicated time to figure out what they're going to do individually as far as e-commerce. Right. You know, you know, e-commerce, hell, give me, give me a decent website. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and I think that's just the thing is I think that a lot of independent retailers might choke on it because they think that man, I got to be able to offer 60,000 SKUs and I need to have a real-time inventory and I need to, and that's great. If you can do that, that's fantastic. That would be but the ideal you can't, situation. you yeah. can't let that inhibit your entry into the e-commerce landscape because let's face it, right now, for all the things we just talked about, consumers are gravitating towards independent retailers right now. This moment yeah. in time will pass. The other thing is home improvement expenditures are up right now. Um, and I'll also add to that is Home Depot and Lowe's and Menards do not have e-commerce figured out. They just don't. What their sites are set up to do very well is to sell a refrigerator or to sell a power drill. They're not around sell, set up well to sell projects. They're not, nope. I mean, go, go on their website and try, websites and try and buy everything you need for a project. It's nearly impossible. So there is a great opportunity for those bright and uh, enthusiastic, independent and intuitive independent retailers to go, to go out there and figure out how to do e-commerce better than the big boxes. And I always used to say in my, uh, in my uh, presentations, you don't need to be better than Amazon. You don't need to be better than Home Depot, but you can be. I think there's a great opportunity to do that right now. Uh, I, I'd like to differentiate between better and how they view that because nobody says you have to be like them and no. be better yeah. like them, but be different right. and make you better. Yep. Because there's things that the consumer looks, in pros as well, looks to the independent for that they know they can't get from a big box, right. especially online. I think you're absolutely right. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, no, I've used this shtick before, but 
But you would never set out and say, I want to make my, now some people haven't done it successfully, but most independent retailers don't say, you know what? I want to design my store to look exactly like Home Depot, but it's going to say Dan's hardware on it. So why would you want to have your e-commerce or online experience be the, the, the mirror image of what Home Depot or Lowe's is doing? It should be what Dan's hardware is about and have a different value proposition, a different For brand sure. feel to it, and have a different promise to your customers. But you need to be in that space because customers have changed rapidly in the last year, and that's not going to change in 2021. Not at all. Not or at beyond all. that. The, what's the advantage an independent has their own brand right why would you want to try and be another brand instead of what you are and that has to be reflected in your web presence yeah. when people go online you know they expect to see dan's hardware right and uh unless it's better than the dance hardware they've been visiting. <laughs> yeah. Now there's probably someone out there that runs Dan's hardware. I know. You know I mean, I'm, I'm talking about yours. You oh, know, yeah, mine. Where, where, where the men's room is always locked. In the, <laughs> yeah, I use, well, use the ladies. Uh, it's only for customers only, Jeff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so just to kind of wrap up here, are, are you optimistic for 2021 for the industry? I'm quite optimistic. Um, quite frankly, I don't see anything short of, you know, I used to say things like a pandemic, but that didn't even slow us down. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got positive household formation. We've got low interest rates. We've got higher or higher employment. Um, looks like we might get another stimulus to get us through the early uh, first quarter. Right. Um, there's really very little, certainly no red, as I see it, yeah. very little yellow. Um, you know, I, I think it's funny. Everybody's worried about the election, and if people study it, you know, and I'm relating it to the stock market. After every presidential election, the next year has grown. Yeah, you know, the Dow's been up, so and certainly we've seen that. Um, so no, I'm I'm bullish as heck on 2021. Might it subside in the third and fourth quarter, yeah, perhaps. Right. Um, and I think it would be more coinciding with people going back to work and not having the time to devote to what they, they've been doing. And that's, you know, but then we know a lot of them aren't going to go back to work. They're just the going yeah. to stay at home. Well, and I think there's going to probably be some of that too, as more options for disposable income come up. Uh, you'll probably, you know, people are going to start going back to restaurants and vacations, and and that might take away some of those dollars from home improvement. But, but listen, I, I every you know, and it's not just the the United States or Canada; it's everywhere around the globe. Everybody was just shaken by the shoulders, and 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 forced to rethink. Man, home, my home is pretty important, and I know as part of your presentation, you were talking about the home is more than a home now. It's a home. It's a workplace. It's a school. Those are your words. And, and man, that is so true. And so what better reasons for people to be investing in their home over the long term than all of these things? Oh, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. And we're, we can be the beneficiaries of that if we want to be. Yeah. If we right. change, respond to it. Yeah. And it's well, not just a home improvement centers. There's so much that hardware stores can take advantage of uh, on this too. So it's it's going to benefit all the segments in our channel. 
Well, and and you know, go, stretch that out even further is is based even on you guys. Uh, you, you know what you're hearing from your research is is some of the biggest areas go across the home improvement channel. Paint, so paint dealers, lawn and garden, garden centers. I, I mean, every store in this segment benefits is benefiting from from what's going on right now. And again, as we've always said, I'm not I'm not belittling the tragic side of this, but we're talking about the business side of this, and that's just a fact. And 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 both you and I don't see that momentum really backing down too much as we no. go into 2021. Well, I don't think it can. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, like you said, short of some sort of economic collapse or civil unrest, which we could not predict. Um, you, you know, it, it's not going to change. You know, it might it might level off a little bit, but it's 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 uh, um, it, it's certainly here to stay for a while. Jim, as always, thanks. You know, our time went by pretty quickly here. Thank you for for, well, for bringing for 2020 to it again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always great. Uh, I hope uh, hope people enjoy it. Uh, the the one thing you I got to say this though, you know, you're talking about paint, and you know that might be an opportunity to. Get in cahoots with a, a paint association. <laughs> yeah, you know we might think about that. We might you know, think about that. Yeah. Awesome. So, so hey, again, Jim, thanks, and and uh, as we're going, happy holidays to you and your family, and, oh, and hopefully you as well. You we'll as get well. to see each other on the road again next year too. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And we'll see how that goes. And, and, and lastly, everybody, once again, if you if you haven't gotten your fill of Jim and Dan today, make sure you turn into our uh, webinar on December 16th, 2 p.m. Eastern time. To register for it, just go to yournhpa.org, and it's free. And uh, also, uh, our friends at Epicor who are sponsoring the webinar and sponsoring NHPA strategic webinar series, big thanks to them. And Jim, big thanks to you. And Kevin, big thanks to you as we round out uh, one of the final podcasts of this uh, strange year. Thanks to also all you listeners out there. Um, stay tuned. We got more coming and we have an exciting slate of guests. And you might even see Jim Robish on that list for 2021. <laughs>